to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 16. And as you're turning there, I just want to say how thankful we are for the opportunity to share our burden for the people of Germany. Thank you so much for all the labor. Uh, the meals have been wonderful. I am full right now uh, because of your generosity and your hospitality. Thank you so much for the accommodations and all of the, the effort, these flags, the decorations, the events to a missionary communicate effort which is a way of communicating love and concern, and, and uh, we really have appreciated being a part of this conference, appreciate your heart for missions, and uh, so thank you so much for all of that, uh, so very thankful for the opportunity uh, to briefly share with you something uh, this evening. Brother Hetzer said last night that he was going to have something encouraging, so I'm pretty much good to do whatever I want, so I, I don't know, maybe some of you will encourage, I hope, I hope that you'll be encouraged, it's going to be a little bit more practical, uh, I hope that this will be a help to some of you who maybe are new to the concept of missions, and we're going to be taking up, or the church is going to be taking up a financial commitment on Sunday, and uh, I personally did not grow up in a Baptist church. I was not saved until I was a teenager. And so a lot of these things were new to me. And as I have approached them, um, at times they were controversial, even to me personally. I, I don't know about you, but I grew up in a family that was very skeptical and very cynical in many ways about preachers, about ministry people, missionaries included. So when I came and told them that I was called to be a missionary... They didn't, really, they didn't really do backflips. They kind of said, oh, really? Hmm. Well, must be nice to be a missionary or a ministry. And they would, uh, some of them went on to tell me these instances of greed or uh, misappropriation of funds on the behalf of some people who were in ministry and different things like that. And to be fair, they have a point. There are people out there who take the truths of God's word, and sometimes these prosperity gospel preachers, they magnify and focus so intently on some truths of God's word that they distort what they were intended for, and they do it for personal gain. And so I have to recognize, even as a preacher, that's, that kind of junk, excuse my language, is out there. That's true. But as a God-called preacher... I don't get to pick and choose what is comfortable for me to preach, knowing that some people won't like it, knowing that some people are going to be made uncomfortable by it, knowing that I, as a young believer, whenever somebody got up there and, okay, we're going to talk about money, here we go again, right? That's honestly how I felt. And so if that's you, I just, I'm not apologizing for the subject that I'm broaching tonight, but I understand where you may be if, if that's a struggle in your heart and your mind. But it's been a help to me to study this passage and other missions passages to find that the reason that we do things as Baptists, we, look, we're, we are people of the book. And I hope that you have a desire, like I do, to do things by the book. And I think that once we get through these just short verses, you'll see very clearly that God has given us the biblical framework for the work of missions to continue. The biblical framework for the work of missions to continue. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Go ahead and stand, if you would, in honor of the reading of God's word. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, 
even so do ye. Even so do ye. Now listen, there's a culture out here that makes a big deal about making the Bible, making sure that God's word is relevant, that it, that it applies to us today. And I'm just going to point out to you tonight that those words reverberate as powerfully today as they did 2,000 years ago. Even so do ye. That is relevant. That does apply to us today. Verse 2, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Let's ask the Lord to bless our time. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the opportunity that we have tonight to look into it. I pray that you would, Lord, speak through me. Help me to be clear Father, help me to have the right spirit, and I pray that you would help your people to consider their purpose in your work. Lord, we love you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can go ahead and be seated. Paul, the great missionary, came upon the city of Corinth on his missionary journeys. He came to this great city. It would have been a city of around 600,000 people the day that Paul set foot upon it. And Paul did... Basically what Paul was minded to do, he went to this place and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. And many rejected, but there were some who hearing this message of Christ's atoning death upon the cross and his burial in that borrowed tomb and his resurrection upon the third day, some who received that message accepted it. They got saved, much like many of us have started a church, they were baptized, they formed a local New Testament church. Paul left, and many of you who know the book of Corinthians, he's having to write to address a lot of issues that the Corinthians have had. Now, there's a few things that we can glean from those issues and the way that he addresses the issues in the church of Corinth. One of them has to do with their financial status. And uh, we're not here to talk about necessarily the Lord's Supper, but he rebukes them for how they were partaking of the Lord's Supper. He says some people in the church of Corinth, this, remember this church was a major city, a lot of trade, a lot of uh, business was done in the city of Corinth. So there were some church members that were of means. So during the Lord's Supper, again, they were doing it wrong. But some catered in... Red Lobster, and they had steak, and they had caviar, and all these fancy things, while at the same time, there were other families in the church of Corinth who didn't have very much. And they were, you know, bringing a little, maybe a bowl of rice, and they were splitting it among them, and leaving hungry. And what that tells us, very simply, is that in the church of Corinth, there were different financial circumstances, right? So some of the Corinthians didn't have a lot, but some were uniquely equipped to make a difference to the problem that Paul was facing in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The problem that he was facing was a famine in Jerusalem. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that probably nobody in here has any idea. Like, we, don't, we have no concept as Americans what a famine even means, okay? But basically, people died 
when there was a bad crop. And that's what's going on in the region around Jerusalem. And there was a church there that, was, that had members that very simply, they were going to die unless people helped them. And so that's the, that's the problem that Paul is trying to address right here in 1 Corinthians in chapter 16. And so he mentions the order that he gave to the churches of Galatia, modern-day Turkey. As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. And I'm just going to draw a few parallels between the, the, the circumstances that Paul is facing and what we are facing today. Okay, he's facing a famine. And Brother Chip mentioned this last night in the book of Amos, chapter 8, verse number 11. The Lord prophesies a famine that is to come, not for food or for water, but for the preaching of the Word of God. And, and look, I'm not going to get into preaching Amos, but when we look around our world today, would you say that it's fair to say that there is a famine I'm here, I'm here to tell you tonight that in the country of Germany, which is very prosperous, which is very advanced, there is absolutely a dearth in that land for the preaching of God's word. The need that Paul was facing was greater than what any one church could fulfill on its own. The work of missions, in the same way, is bigger than any one church. So the principle here is of church, churches cooperating to help meet this great need, this very important need. And before we get sidetracked on, in, in humanitarian things, I believe that this was a humanitarian effort, but it was not only a humanitarian effort. I believe at the heart of Paul's concern was a ministry, a gospel-preaching church in the city of Corinth which was going to disappear unless they intervened. Do you see that? They, they were mindful of a ministry outside of their own four walls, and they participated, they sacrificed. Paul is encouraging them to get behind this effort to be a help so that this gospel-preaching entity, the church in Jerusalem, can continue. Now, I don't know where you are personally. I think this is something that every Christian has to deal with at some point in the Christian life. But as far as giving, this is, this is how I faced the tithe. It just made sense to me that as a member, as a member of a church, being a spiritual recipient of blessings, it fell upon me as a member to help keep the lights on. And to help keep the heat on in the winter and the AC on in, in, in the summer. And to help pay, to help take care of the pastor and their family. I, that was just me. That made sense. That falls upon me. And, and you as a member, by the way, that's, that's one of the reasons that church membership is so important. If, you've, if you're here tonight and, and you're saved but you've never been baptized or you've never joined this church, my friend... Your membership is something that God has intended for, to be a blessing for you. This church is being commissioned. This church is coming together to make a difference for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We as a church, we as local churches make a difference for the gospel. 
It's important for you to be baptized. It's important for you to join and be a member of a local church. This is your avenue by which you're intended to serve God and to please Him, to be involved in what God is doing right here. So, he gives them some specific instructions, I believe, that would make a difference, and I believe that serve to guide us as we consider the, the task of the missions and the commitment to missions, which, by the way, is above the tithe. He says this, upon the first day of the week, which is Sunday, which is when they met. Faithfulness to church is important. Again, it, the, the church in the New Testament is found all throughout. There's a lot of people that, that diminish its value, that diminish its importance. They met on the first day of the week. That's when this offering was to be taken up. Also, the first day of the week comes every seven days. Pretty regular. This is not really that deep, right? But we can plan on it, right? I believe that Paul is instructing the Corinthians to give in a way that is systematic. And look, God has given each of us the capacity to use wisdom. I think we have an obligation, a responsibility to be wise. Solomon said it this way, Know the estate of thy flocks. That's not a verse that's just for ranchers or herdsmen. He's encouraging believers, God's people, to have a grasp on their income and their expenses. In other words, it's wise to have a budget. When we consider this task, this commitment... We need to look at what's coming in and what's going out. We, look, we need to look at our circumstance. That's wise. Okay, moving on. I don't have time to labor on all of that, but I think that's, that's significant. He's, he's instructing them to give in a way that's systematic. And by the way, he says, let every one of you. We've already established that there's, established there's different circumstances. Some can do not as much, and some can do a lot more in, this, in the church of Corinth. Regardless of our circumstance, we all have a part. Let every one of you. I started as a teenager giving $5 a week. This is just my testimony. I've never been sorry. I have never missed the money that I've given to missions. I fully believe God has always given me more than what I have ever given him. That's a principle that applies, I believe, in every area of life. Secondly, he says, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him. And in that, I believe that he's leading them, he's directing them to give in a way that is personal. Let every one of you, not, two, not, not any family in here has the same financial circumstance as any other family in here. And so, what, what I'm going to take some liberty just because of time. I believe he's leading them to give in a way that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I am so thankful that I don't, I don't stand in the position of a priest. It's not what I, that's not what I'm here for. And I'm so thankful for the wisdom of godly men. I'm so wisdom, uh, thankful for the insight that godly experienced people have. But friend, as you grow in Christ, you need to learn to be able to discern. 
what God's will is for you. And this is an area in which you, have ac- having access to the Holy Spirit of God, need to seek what He wants you to do. As an individual, as a family. So th- those are some, some principles, I think, that can help guide us as we approach Sunday. I believe that we have biblical a biblical foundation and a biblical framework that leads us to give both in a way that is systematic or strategic, but also sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading as you sit down and budget and think about what you can do for missions. Be willing and be sensitive to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And just be, be open, be sensitive. We don't want to have time to go into everything, but I believe that he'll give you peace about what it is that he wants you to do. I want to encourage you with this. He will not lead you to do nothing. So what does God want you to do? Will you, will you think about that? Will you seek the Lord as we approach this Sunday? Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much that those before us were willing to sacrifice and give. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we consider our role Lord, maybe it's beyond money. Maybe it's a call. Lord, I pray that you would make it clear to your people. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Padilla, what an important concept and an important biblical truth. That's very contrary, I will say this, very contrary to some churches. And here's what Brother Padilla did not say, and and a lot of churches will preach this, that faith promise is something that you do where you guess upon a number and say, the Lord's going to have me give this much, and there's no rational thinking or budgeting that's gone behind it. And that gets a lot of missionaries in trouble. Because when you write that down on a card, and a church on behalf of the congregation makes a commitment to pay that missionary, and uh, quote unquote, God doesn't come through because God was not in that kind of uh, concept or that kind of uh, just kind of picking a number out of the air, it hurts missionaries. And so budgeting is a very, it's a biblical concept, but it's a very important concept. And so pray, look at your budget and decide, Lord, uh, where can I cut back based off of what you've given me? I like the term grace giving. That's why we really don't use the term faith promise. We use grace giving around here because it's something that the Lord has blessed us with and being good stewards of our money, we can budget and rationally uh, decide upon uh, what we can give to missions. So what an important truth. Thank you, Brother Padilla, for that. Let's stand, 236. Whosoever will may come, 236. Whosoever will may come. Sing it out on that first. Whosoever hear it shall shout the sound. Spread the blessed tidings all the world around. Tell the joyful news wherever man is found. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will. Send the proclamation over land and hill. Tis the loving Father calls the wonder home. Whosoever will may come on the second. Whosoever cometh need not delay. Now the door is open and to all your name. Jesus is the true, the only living way. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over land and hill. Tis the loving Father calls the wonder home. Whosoever will may come on the last. Whosoever will, the promise is secure. 
whosoever will forever must endure, whosoever will tis life forevermore, whosoever will may come, whosoever will, whosoever will send the proclamation over land and hill, tis the loving Father who calls the wonder home, whosoever This time I'll turn it over to Brother AJ and he will present. You want me to show your video first? Okay, awesome. All right, good, e good evening, Wooden Valley. It's good to be back here tonight. And thank you again for all of your, your love and your generosity. We're going to take the time now to uh, show the video for the uh, Seattle Church Plant. Now, many of you, if you were here back in December, have already seen this. And so I debated, I asked Pastor and Brother Lamar, should we replay it, should we reshow it? And the consensus was that we should, because uh, there's maybe some people here that haven't seen it, and uh, some of the missionaries haven't been able to see it. So we're going to replay that, and then I'll give a quick testimony about what the Lord's doing uh, there in Seattle. Seattle, the Emerald City, vast greenery, unimaginable beauty, coffee, rain. The Pacific Northwest is beautiful, and Seattle is recognized as one of the most majestic cities in our country. In addition to natural beauty, the skyline of Seattle is filled with incredible buildings that are landmarks both locally and around the world. Seattle is also one of the most diverse and fastest growing cities in the entire United States and has grown by 25% since the year 2000. Known as an international city, with approximately 18% of its population being foreign born, the uniqueness of Seattle is characterized and brought to life by its people. The freedom of expression, individuality, and cultural variety has made Seattle an attractive destination for people from all over the world. As one of the most financially prosperous and affluent areas in the U.S., Seattle is a target area for many professional, driven individuals and families from all over the country, with companies like Microsoft, Amazon, Starbucks, and Costco making Seattle their headquarters. Though Seattle is thriving and prosperous in the eyes of the world, it still sits in spiritual darkness. The pioneering spirit that accompanied settling the West also came with a departure from biblical truth. An entire area of our nation grew, but void of the gospel. Now, Seattle boasts itself as being one of the most progressive cities in the country, with 61% of people claiming no religion whatsoever. The need is greater than ever before. My name is A.J. Lutrick, and I'd like to introduce you to West Seattle, one of the oldest neighborhoods of the city. With a population of just over 25,000 and no independent Baptist church, the need is incredible. Like most urban cities, the residents within Seattle are not likely to venture out of their individual neighborhoods to seek anything, especially a good Bible-preaching church. West Seattleites are no exception. Their neighborhood is their neighborhood, and in order to reach them with the gospel, we can't drag them out. Rather, we need to take the gospel to them. God's plan for church planning in the Northwest has been unique. Over the past several decades, the Lord has begun to do an incredible work in the planning of independent fundamental Baptist churches. It was in 1985 the Lord brought a man by the name of Rich Farinella to the Pacific Northwest to begin the Wooden Valley Baptist Church. What was truly a pioneering effort in every regard has been blessed and the Wooden Valley Baptist Church has grown and followed the biblical example of reproducing itself and starting new churches in the area. One of those churches is Foundation Baptist Church in Sammamish, Washington. 
planted and pastored by Pastor Matt Farinella. In 2015, the Lord led Pastor Matt to seek a staff member and church planning intern. As our paths crossed, the Lord's leading became very clear for me to come to Washington State. Here, under the leadership of Pastor Matt, the Lord laid a burden on my heart for church planning in the Pacific Northwest, and specifically in the city of Seattle. Through this process, the Lord also opened up many doors to learn different aspects of church planning firsthand from the lineage of church planners. Tasks such as church administration, finances, leading outreach, and especially preaching on a regular basis have shaped and molded not just me as an individual, but any future ministry the Lord might have me be a part of. Under the wisdom of Pastor Matt Farinella and the authority of the Foundation Baptist Church, we are planning to begin the Emerald City Baptist Church of West Seattle in the spring of 2019. The plan for Emerald City Baptist Church is simple. Begin a New Testament Baptist Church that preaches the Word of God. In a place that is praised as a progressive champion, the solution is not in creating new ways of bringing the gospel to people. God's way still works. Our process will mirror Acts 13:2, where God said, separate me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work whereunto I have called them. To separate means to launch out into what is ultimately unknown. But though the future is unknown and will face a multitude of challenges, I am confident that the system God put in place will prove effective. In Acts 13:3, they fasted and prayed and sent out Paul and Barnabas. Then in verse five, they preached the word of God. In March of 2019, we will have a soft launch and begin holding Sunday morning services. In these services, the ministry will not include the Word of God, it will be the Word of God. Soul winning, discipleship, and the preaching of God's Word will form the basis of what Emerald City is about. This, of course, will be done through outreach, becoming a part of the community, and building relationships with those Seattleites who need to be saved and then taught the whole counsel of God. Emerald City Baptist Church will be successful as it focuses on the main thing, prayer and the preaching of the Word of God. If I could summarize in one word what's in store for Emerald City Baptist Church, it would be potential. We have an opportunity like never before to go to one of the most unreached areas of our country with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The potential is monumental and virtually untouched. A biblical church in a city as diverse and influential as Seattle will be instrumental in the seeing the gospel spread not just here, but around the world. Would you consider partnering with us as we take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the incredibly needy area of West Seattle. Obviously, it's very special to be able to show that video here uh, in that it references Wooden Valley Baptist Church because really, you're our grand uh, grandmother church, uh, uh, foundations our mother church, then you're the grandmother, how, how the system has worked, God's system has worked. So we're, we are excited about what the Lord's doing specifically in Seattle. And if, if you have your Bibles, real quick, I want you to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 3. Now I promise I'm not going to preach, and part of that, part of the reason for that is I had my shortest message on record 